Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. We are here recording episode 29, Roles of a Language Teacher. We have our second teacher edition episode out for all of you, either up-and-coming teachers, current teachers, or veteran teachers, um, to hopefully give you a better insight into language teaching. And obviously today we will be focusing on the different roles of a language teacher. As most of you know, I'm a language teacher and my amazing co-host Jared is quite the language learner, both on our way to polyglot heaven, I guess. I don't really know the right term for that, but uh, yeah. So Jared, what's going on, buddy? We've made it. Guten Tag. (laughs) Bonjour. Ahoy. Rule number one for a role of a teacher, tell them, tell your students when you lost your virginity. Uh, okay. Refer, oh, refer back to our, <laughs> one of our previous episodes here about Chad's Reddit AMA that went so well. <laughs> uh, please, everyone, if you could hear a clip of that AMA on our Instagram and Twitter at, uh, in- Instagram is Untranslatable Podcast. Twitter is Untranslatable One, the number one. You can email us at the Untranslatable Podcast at gmail.com. Tell us your travel stories. Tell us about your favorite language teacher, why they were your favorite language teacher. Tell us about your least favorite language teacher, why they're your least favorite. I remember Frau Wirtz. I, she Shut wasn't up. my least favorite <laughs> language teacher for any other reason than I just don't think we, her and I got along, but she was a good teacher. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> can, I, uh, can I interject real quick? Please. I taught a class today, uh, a, a bunch of new students, and I was instructed by my colleagues to do another introduction class. So of course I did the Reddit AMA again today oh, and uh, didn't get any, didn't get any bad questions, <laughs> but every class asks me about Donald Trump. Okay. That and makes about, sense. Ch- and about Czech women. Okay. That's an interesting one. Lord, if you like, yeah. if you think they're hot or something, I mean, they always say, what do you think about Czech girls? And what do you tell them? I mean, <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I tell them, I tell them I don't really know that many Czech girls, but like the ones I've met have been nice. And I mean, obviously, you know, Czech women are, are very pretty. So I mean, yeah. I tell I tell them like it is, you know, I, I've gotten I, it doesn't seem like you've had enough interactions with Czech women to be able to make some sort of uh, actual uh, opinion on it, other than most of them tend to be pretty. <laughs> right. Right. And I mean, obviously, what you see on any videos or websites or like I was looking at um, trying to find Czech movies so I could maybe watch them with English subtitles and try to pick up more Czech. And of course, all those actresses are gorgeous, just like Hollywood actresses are from you know the States or Great Britain right. or wherever. But I just find it funny. And then I always love to ask my students when they ask me this, what do you think about American women or American girls? And Loud. I always get some pretty interesting <laughs> answers. Let me, let me just leave it at that. <laughs> um, this is a different class than you had the previous uh reddit correct with. okay correct okay so did you get a similar response on the donald trump thing too uh, a lot of people t- seem to think he was a cool dude um a lot of a lot of these students um well as i said like one of my other classes a student called him a clown um again uh, and a lot of the students a plus of um, student all <laughs> right a lot a lot of the students in this class although they were um in the Czech Republic, we call it first grade, even though they're like, I guess in the American system, they'd be considered like in ninth grade. Um, they seem, they all seem to have a pretty good head on their shoulders um, and also seemed fairly well versed in like 
global issues and politics, which was which was nice, you know, because politics aren't an easy thing to discuss, especially with students in a foreign language. Um, but we definitely had an interesting discussion. Um, they asked me a little bit about um, the whole kneeling situation uh, because they first asked me about if I watch um, football, or as they say here in the Czech Republic, American football, which like they mean tackle football, right? And uh, and real so, football? No, I'm kidding. Right. <laughs> oh man, those are fighting words, Jerry. <laughs> I actually but, tend uh, to call soccer football in, in more than uh, soccer these right. days. So, but I also had a student ask me. He was like, "Why do you guys call it football? Like it's he's like it's shaped like an egg." And I was like, "I was like, I don't know what to tell you, man." I mean, that's a question know. that's been asked for ages, and I don't think there's ever going to be an answer for that. Well, you want to know what my answer was? Uh, n- n- yes. <laughs> well, I was going to tell you what <laughs> I was going to yes, tell you one way or another. <laughs> I told him that we call it football because it starts with a kickoff. Is that why they call it football? Is that probably true? not? Oh, okay. but it seemed like a good answer at the time. I don't know. Uh, Makes like, oh, sense to me, okay. I guess. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know why they call it football either, but who? Uh, whatever. Uh, guess what? In a mere what? couple of hours, I will be boarding a flight. To go on a hiking slash camping slash backpacking trip through the Smoky Mountain National Park in Asheville, North Carolina. That'll be awesome. Uh, yeah, apparently it's going to be. So, I believe it's supposed to be around like thirty miles of a hike round trip. I think mm-hmm. one way is about. We're going to go to a couple different places. One of them is eleven plus miles, but I think okay. that's one direction. Then you have to go back. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess obviously you have to go back. We're walking. Right. <laughs> so that'll be about 20 something. And then we're going to do a couple other small ones in the area. And um, see, terrified is not the right word. Okay. But I feel very unprepared. And I almost feel like I'm forgetting something. And it's like, this is when I'm going to strand myself in um, the woods. And I'm a little nervous about that part of it. Like, uh, if you would have seen my preparation, mm-hmm. uh, you'd be like, you, you, you should not be going on 30-mile hike, camping hike, tr- hiking trips. What are, you, what are you bringing? I'm curious. I got my hiking boots on Sunday. Have you broken them in yet? I've been... <laughs> yes, I have. When okay, I, well, good. kind of. When I'm not at work... I'm not wearing them right now, but the past couple episodes we've recorded, I've been wearing them. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Whenever I go walk to the grocery store, whenever I walk anywhere that's not work, obviously, I'm not wearing them to work. Um, I'm wearing them. Dude, so you I- got to bust those out at work. <laughs> Wear them with pride. Um, and then I've also, I got my tent on Saturday. I got my rain jacket. Well, I had a rain jacket, but some fuck stole it the other day. Refer back to last episode. Oh, from about your that. car, right? Yeah. Uh, so I got my rain jacket today. I leave today. <laughs> oh, wow. Cutting, it a little, <laughs> cutting a little close today, buddy. I, I have a, um, a headlamp. Well, Brad, my, I'm going with Brad, uh, the, uh-huh. the one that can't leave me alone when we record podcasts. <laughs> um, he listens, by the way, so he's going to hear me say that. Um, nice. Uh, so I, hey, Brad. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, he was mentioning, I was, t- I was asking him the other day, I was like, is there anything I need to make sure I have before I, I get there? He's like, no, you're good. He's like, I have my headlamp and my blah, blah. I was like, oh, I don't have a headlamp. So I went on Amazon that day and bought a headlamp and, um, it should be coming in before I have to get on my plane today, but I do not have that yet. <laughs> uh oh. You also have some warm clothing, right? Yes. The, yes. The coldest it's supposed to be from what I've seen 
is um, the the mid to high 50s is the absolute coldest it would get, I think. At night? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay, that's solid. So, and, right. and during the day, it should be 70s, mid-70s, but it's supposed to rain a little bit. So that's why I need to make sure I had that rain jacket. Right. I gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, I'm super excited, but I'm also pretty nervous. I'm like, uh, there's a slight chance that I could get stranded in the woods. I was also doing some prep with Brad the other day mm-hmm. and he was mentioning stuff that he had and that he needed. And he mentioned to me like three or four times that he had bear spray. And I'm like, bro, I get it. Why do you keep mentioning this bear spray? <laughs> Maybe he needs like, to I remind know, it for himself so he doesn't forget. I know we need it, but the fact that you've brought it up so many times is making me a little nervous. <laughs> right. But I, I don't know. Other than that, like I'm super pumped, and I'm more than anything, I'm pumped one for a great untranslatable Instagram content. Oh hell yeah! Uh, which I'm excited. Listeners have probably already seen it at this point, and um, like. It's it's this is the kind of vacation I think I, I want where, you know, I went to New Orleans a couple weeks ago. I wouldn't call that a vacation because I was uh, running around a lot, drank a lot. I came back even more tired than when I left. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this is going to be a complete isolation for about two days because it's going to be Thursday and Friday. We're going to be going early. We're going to leave early Thursday and be mm-hmm. done probably afternoon, evening, Friday. Nice. And so um It'll be two full days of isolation where I'll only be taking out my phone to uh, take pictures, hopefully. That's the plan. Or That's call awesome. 911 and give them my, my longitude and latitude. Those are the only right. two things I'll use my phone for. There you go. <laughs> do either of you have any type of pocket knife? Uh, he does, yeah. Okay. I good. do too, but I, I, I don't, I'm not bringing it because I don't want to check my luggage. Right, I got gotcha. you. But um, he does. That's very important, I think, on any any nature hike. Have some type of pocket knife on you. You never know when you're going to need a knife. Yep, and I made sure. Another thing I, I thought to bring was I in a in a uh, ga- I bought a gallon size Ziploc bag, which I'll use for mm-hmm. trash and stuff. And then right. in there, before there's any trash in there, what I did was I unrolled like twenty, thirty sheets of of paper towel, folded them up, and put them in to that bag. Oh, nice. So, uh, okay. you know, if I have to, you know, shit in the woods or I'm not going to go rust or anything using like any leaves, huh? Uh, if I can avoid it, I'll try to avoid it. I don't Brad you. also bought a, a water purifier, which you can stick directly into any body in of water. Yeah, those are sweet. I've seen. And those. you could technically just drink from it like it's a straw, but you can also use it to fill up water bottles and stuff. So nice. So, yeah, I'll be gone be for, a trip, uh, for a couple days, but you podcast listeners won't even know the difference. That's true. I'm going to miss you, though. <laughs> yeah, Chad will know the difference. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. And so I'll be, I'll be leaving a little later today. That'll be sweet, man. I'm excited for you. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'll, I mean, I'll definitely have a uh, recap on that when I get back. So that'll be episode 30, probably. Nice. Solid. I uh, also have some news. What's that? You're pregnant. Uh, yes. I am <laughs> pregnant with Jared's untranslatable baby. <laughs> Uh, uh no dude i finally got my acoustic guitar oh nice nice yeah. do you have have you uh played a little bit of it oh yeah i you played it for give, about you, two uh, hours yesterday i thought you were gonna give us a little bit of a. Uh, uh, I didn't know you I, you could give us if you had it next to you you could give us a little bit of a quick uh, uh yeah i don't i don't demo. have uh, <laughs> i don't have a guitar stand here with me so i gotta keep it in the case keep it safe uh, okay but who knows maybe our listeners out there can enjoy uh a, some new music with an acoustic guitar sometime soon on the pod. 
That would be cool. Um, put it on the Instagram it's or something. Electric. So yeah, you could what? plug that straight in. I said put it on the uh, Instagram or something. Some cool right. new. Uh, oh yeah. Ch- Czech songs you've learned. Actually, uh, I have been learning some Czech folk songs in my choir. Okay. So maybe I could learn some of those and figure out the chords and play them on guitar. It'd be pretty oh cool. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That'd be pretty sweet. Don't don't tease me, Chad. That sounds amazing. Right? Wouldn't that be sweet? It's crazy though. So so we've been like I had my choir rehearsal last night actually, um, and the crazy thing is, there's a song called and it means rain, rain or rain. It's like it's raining. It's called Pershi Pershi. Okay. P R S I. Uh huh. A little close to an American word that right. means something very uh, different. Um. Yeah. No kidding. But uh, that song, dude. There's a part in it where it's really really fast. I literally can't even sing it. <laughs> like it's just like it's just too fast. I can't. That do sounded it. like the intro to "Where the Party At." Where the party at? <laughs> you know that song. <laughs> Girl, uh-huh. get the Bacardi with a something at. No, I can't forget uh, about. So, what do you just do? Do you just uh like stop I just singing like or and listen? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. you I could just also just like. Music. Could you not uh, like hum or like at least make the noises along with it, even though you don't know what the hell they're saying? Well, I mean, I don't know what the hell they're saying like 90% oh, oh, of the time. Oh, can't even. But <laughs> usually, like, my, my mentor is in the choir with me, and uh, usually she will try to give me, like, the, the rough translation. But obviously, you can't translate every line within 20 seconds in between, like, the songs we rehearse. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, so it's cool, though. I've picked up a lot more Czech than I've been realizing. Like, they were all talking. And I would get bits and pieces of it, which was pretty cool. That's exciting. Like, uh, can you think, like, what is it just words that you'll pick out? Words, numbers, a lot of times colors. Um, they There's a concert coming up soon, and they all had to wear black. And the word for black in Czech is uh, czerny. Okay. So so um, heard that a lot. And, and then also the word ale, um, A-L-E, it means but. Like, I did that, but then I mm. blah, 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 right? Wow, this is a, a check word of the pot extra credit right here. That's right. So are you going to uh, be at this concert? So, uh, and that actually was a great segue because that leads me to my next point I wanted to share with you. Um, this weekend, uh, I have Friday off from school. So my buddy, um, shout out to my boy David, is coming to visit. And uh, we're going to go to a hockey game. Uh, I got the tickets today. Who's and, David? Uh, uh, a fellow English teacher, a friend of mine. Oh, uh, was that the dude that... Missouri. Is that the dude that speaks Russian? Yeah. Uh, oh, he's yep. from Missouri? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But he studied at Wake Forest. Um, really cool dude. Like him a lot. And uh, and so Saturday, we're going to... Or sorry, Friday, we have the hockey game here in Komotov. And then Saturday, we're going to go to Carlo Vivari, which is like a really famous spa town in the Czech Republic. And we're going to check that out. Get some kids and her massages. an hour away. Uh, actually, no, we didn't look into that. Um, but that is an option, I guess. Have you ever gotten a massage before? Actually, I haven't. I, Me neither. I feel like it'd be a little weird. I don't... I, really, how so? I just... I don't know. I would... You don't like people uh, touching you like that? <laughs> I mean, to me, it just seems like it would be... I don't know. What if it tickles? Like, <laughs> I don't know. To me, like, I don't know. I feel like massages could be a little weird. What if you have to fart really bad? I think they welcome. They don't welcome it. I don't think they hope for it. But <laughs> I think that's okay. I think that's part part of it. Is we're trying to get you as relaxed as possible. 
What and if, if that means you have excited? no control over your bowels, then so be it. Same thing. We're trying to get you as relaxed as possible. And part of that could be, uh, you know, a little tumescence. Okay. Um, f- fair enough. So, oh, that's cool. So you're going to explore a little bit more of the... Uh, we need to get uh, this David guy onto the pod sometime. Oh, we will. This will this will not be the last time I'll be chilling with David. So we'll we'll definitely get him on here as a guest. He would be a great guest because let me tell you, man, he has got some really good stories from when he studied in Russia. Oh, I can imagine. I, I mean, yeah. that's what I was... I want to know about uh, what it's like to learn Russian, but I, even more than that, what it's like to study abroad in Russia. Right. Right. My, yeah. I, I don't know if I mentioned this. My mom used to go to Russia for work every year. And um, she, uh, not that she didn't like it, but she was always a little nervous to go. Like she, mm. uh, and, and it was, and she always uh, like had security with her and stuff. And she would never really explore the city by herself. And like when she was in the hotel and had free time. And, uh, but some of the pictures she sent were gorgeous. Like especially of those, uh, those Russian mosques. Those things are awesome. Oh, yeah, those are gorgeous. Yeah, um, I know what you're talking about. And they drink a lot of vodka, apparently, according to her. <laughs> right? That's what we're on the street. That's what that's what my buddy David also said. Um, but, yeah, so it'll be cool to check out um, Carlo Vivari because I've obviously never been there. Um, it's a very historic town. There's also a type of – Oh, I will. Don't you worry. There's also a type of liquor. Like, apparently, only two people in the world know the um, recipe for – and uh, and it is located in Carlo Vivari, and they have like a little museum. So you best believe when I get there, he and I are definitely going to find some of that. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think of the name of it here. It's um, yeah, I was about to say I, I love it. Um, it's it's like Bezru something. Um, let's see here, uh, Becherovka. Becherovka. Uh-huh. What Becherovka? Uh, what what kind of booze is it? It's uh, it's an herbal liquor. Often drunk as a um, digestive aid that is uh, produced in Carlo Vivari. And it was originally made by a guy named Jan Bechar. And huh. Becherovka. No, no, no. Okay. Um, I don't know if he's well, one of the two well, people. Well, I don't know. Hold up. Let me look. I don't want to don't want to give our amazing, um, our amazing listeners uh, the wrong info. Nope. No. He, he died in 1840. Oh, it's been a while. Yeah, but he was actually, I believe, like a, um, like either a pharmacist or like a, a apothecary, uh, uh, working in an apothecary, and yeah, and so it's, uh, but yeah, apparently the word on the street is the only there's only two people in the world that know the ingredients, like all the herbs and everything else in it. So yeah. okay, well mm-hmm. yeah, let me know how it goes. I will if if we remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See how good this stuff is. Right. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, you got a fun weekend. We both got a fun weekend. Yeah, we're coming gonna out. have a good time this weekend. Just please don't get eaten by any bears. Okay. Well, hopefully Brad doesn't forget that bear spray he's mentioned right? three or four times. No <laughs> kidding. I wonder how effective that stuff is. Uh, I don't know. Especially if a bear is already in attack mode and adrenaline pumping. Right. I feel like it would do more harm to the people spraying it than to the bear. <laughs> right. Because it's kind of like pepper spray. Like, it, it, it affects everyone in the area of it, not exactly. just the person you're exactly. shooting it at. Even probably the person that shot it right. is getting affect, affected are by there, it. Are there really that many bears, though, in Asheville? Uh, I, don't, I don't know the Smoky Mountain National Park bears. I probably should have Googled this a while ago. <laughs> Great Smoky Mountain National Park is one of the largest protected areas in the eastern United States, 
where black bears can live in the wild. Uh, natural surrounding bears inhabit, inhabit all uh, elevations of the park through populations. Uh, though, po though populations are variable, biologists estimate that roughly 1,500 bears, 1,500 bears live in the park. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. So there are, yeah, I think that means yes. <laughs> you you do you do know though that you I mean I'm sure you or Brad know this but you shouldn't keep your food in your tent you know that right yes and we're not bringing uh, anything perishable because it, we would if we were going to do more of a glamping trip where we're going to be at like okay. a campsite but right. since we're going to be um, you know going along a trail and then stopping mm -hmm. somewhere we're not going to bring like a like a anything perishable with us so that should help but so what um, are you going to be bringing. I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of Brad is. I mean, because I have to fly there, so I'm not bringing the food with right. me. Uh, but I did request trail mix with raisins and and at least an al almonds or something. But uh, <laughs> I don't nice. know. But you know, it was so funny because when Brad and I first started talking about this, he's like, "Do you want to go glamping or do you want to like hike and backpack?" And I was like, "I mean, I kind of want to do both. Like, I, I want to go. I want to be able to hike this. I don't. I don't want to just go to a campsite and chill out there for the night. But right. I also want to enjoy myself. And I was like, mm -hmm. you know what? F it." Let's just go hiking, backpacking like men. We'll go backpacking. Go. I'll bring some cigars. So when we get to our campsite, we'll smoke a cigar. Nice. We'll go camping all day. In my backpack, I'll have a steak. We'll cook those steaks on the open fire like men, and we'll eat them. And he's like, yeah, bro, we can't bring steak. And I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, so even like the most strenuous form of this trip, in my mind, was still glamping. He's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, nice. Nice. <laughs> So I, I'm not really sure how the food's going to work. I'm sure there's going to be some sort of jerky. Jerky's a great, you uh, jerky. a great protein source for uh, uh -huh. for the road. Oh, I wish it was some of your dad's jerky. Like going back to like Jack Links feels like I'm eating a tire. Uh, right. Yeah. After my, eating my dad, it. my dad knows how to make some good jerk. That's for sure. Yeah. So I I, I don't know. I don't know. But um, as I said before, I should have more information. This I'm aware. I'm. <laughs> You'll be all uh, right. Just use your survival instincts. Yeah, I mean, just uh, go with your survival instincts, and I'm I'm sure you'll be all right. Plus, you know, I mean, at least you're hiking with a with a good friend of yours. I'm sure both of you, the two of you combined, will be prepared. It'll yeah. be a good weekend, man. I'm excited to hear about it uh, for our next pod. And it's not his it's not his first rodeo. It's just my first rodeo. So I stumbled upon something the other day, and. Uh, it got me thinking. It just got me thinking. So, mm -hmm. Singa Singapore Air has uh, come out with a. Uh, well, let me let me start start over. Uh, the longest flight that you can take right now is about is uh, with Qantas, and it's from London. Uh, oh shoot! Shoot. Uh, <laughs> with Qantas's flight to London taking 17 hours and 20 minutes, and, and Qatar's flight from Auckland taking 17 hours and 40 minutes. Those are the two longest flights happening right now. Mm -hmm. Singapore says that's it. They're starting a service from um, Singapore's airport, Singapore's Changi Airport, uh -huh. to Newark uh, Airport in, in, in New Jersey, mm -hmm. which is going to be 18 plus hours, damn near 19 hours. Ooh. And that'll be the longest uh, commercial flight uh, ever. And it's, it's not like one-time thing. It's going to be a new route that they're doing. That's crazy. And it's going to be 19 hours. And I was thinking about 19 hours, and I thought, that's long as fuck. The longest flight 
I've been on has been 12 hours, a little over 12 hours. Mm-hmm. And it was from Philadelphia to Doha, Qatar, or Qatar. I don't know how you say it. Uh, and it was, it was interesting because after it, 12 hours didn't feel much, it didn't feel much different than when I fly to Europe, which is usually anywhere from six to nine hours, depending right. on where you're going. And, you know, once you get to a certain point, it all kind of feels the same to me. You know, it's just, and so I wonder if that would be the same. I guess 12 hours is a long time. Think about another European flight added on top of that, like another seven hours on top of that. Yeah, it'd be crazy. I can't even and, imagine. Um, uh, that just blew my mind that there's now going to be a 19-hour flight. And I don't uh, – what do you do on that plane? I, I mean – You listen to the Untranslatable podcast. Uh, just on repeat. Yeah, you yeah. can listen. to. We have more than 19 hours of podcast. That's a good point. You know what? I fully support this. I'm going to hit up Singapore Air, see if I can get our pod on their little uh, in-flight entertainment. There you go. <laughs> that would be awesome, by the way. That would be sweet. Uh, that's sure. just like a good place to have uh, our podcast. Because, you know, especially on international flights, people are going internationally. They want to know about cultures. They want to know about language, uh, getting Absolutely. associated. All right, I'm going to hit up <laughs> Singapore Air. And can we, can we backtrack for a minute? When did you go to Qatar? I went to Tanzania. Ah, so you had to go to Qatar and then Tanzania. Yes, okay. it was Philadelphia to Doha, Qatar, and then that was twelve hours. And then mm. Doha to uh, what was the name of the city? The uh, something I can't think of what it was. Oh, Dar Salaam, Tanzania oh, was yep. the city, okay. mm-hmm. and that was about six plus hours. So wow. in, in total, it was nine. It was about nineteen. So your whole trip there would be one flight. Yes. Oh wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yes, that's pretty wild, man. Uh, yeah. And uh, the tank has 24,000 liters of fuel. That is a lot. Um, and there are, um, oh, jeez. I, I, uh, I, I, like, I wonder if there is something you have to figure out between, yes, we can do this versus is this, like, just because we can do it, does, does it mean we should? Because they also have to take into account, can we trust you know, hundreds of people for, uh, for 19 hours in right. an enclosed space. That's a great question. Because <laughs> that would be where I'm more nervous than the actual airplane making it. They, that, the airplane is more tested than anything that I've ever, than, than, like, is more tested than anything. It's the people right. that aren't. Oh, for sure. And that's where I'd be like, Ugh, Yeah, that's okay. always a, a risky variable, us humans, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> Without a doubt. Can we go 19 hours without uh, two people getting into a fight on this plane? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Just have Samuel L. Jackson on the plane, and uh, <laughs> I'm sure he'll break it all up. Sick of all these flights on this mother plane. <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, oh Jared, that was kind of inadvertently a, uh, a shout out. I think to a Singapore Air in a way, don't you think? I thought about making it a shout out. That's why I wanted to put it at the end of our top of the sh- oh, show talk call. because, okay. I mean, they're not Singapore didn't do anything. They just bought an airplane from Airbus. Right. But I'll, and and also, I'm not sure if this is a good thing yet. I yeah, still haven't decided because I'm not convinced that having 19 or, or you know hundreds of people trapped on a plane for 19 hours is a great idea. Well, we'll have to find out. Maybe we'll have to interview some. Uh passengers on some of those planes and see what they thought That'd be pretty <laughs> wild well jared as i mentioned uh maybe that's not quite a shout out but uh i'd like to give a couple shout outs um this episode so um the first shout out i'd like to give is to a uh actually believe it or not a school janitor 
um, named Carolyn Collins, who uh, and she's in Georgia uh, or Georgia High School, I guess, um, has a closet called the Giving Closet, which she actually opened up about four years ago. Um, and uh, basically, it seems like this closet um, provides students with all sorts of stuff. So toiletries, food, socks, underwear, school supplies. Um, and so, so she's just kind of like, if, if someone's like, oh, God, I poop my pants and they're like, come to my closet, I got you. Right. Or, or, you know, or if you're from a lower income family and maybe you didn't get breakfast, you know, or even dinner the night before and you're starving, you know, I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of people make assumptions about children's and, um, children in school and, uh, they don't realize they only see the surface, you know, they only see what they see in class. They don't know what the children have to deal with at home. Are they getting enough food? Are they getting enough sleep? Are they getting enough attention from their parents? You know, I mean, the list goes on and on. And and I have to really give a big shout out to Carolyn Collins for um, offering this for her students. Um, I think if more schools did this, we might even see a slight positive return on their uh, participation, engagement, and uh, overall performance in class. Yeah, but it shouldn't be on someone like Carolyn Collins. She's, as you said, the janitor, custodian, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not her job to be doing that stuff. I agree. And obviously she's doing it out of the goodness of her heart because she's a good person. But right. like, um, that's a, I assume her income, income's not that great. So like she is still uh, sacrificing a lot on her on her own for, you know, just because she likes to help people. But like. That's not how the system should work. Just like how, like, I have friends that have been teachers, and I've uh, seen them buy stuff for the classroom, buy stuff for mm-hmm. their kids, and I'm oh, like, I'm like, this is coming out of your own pocket. Yeah, uh, they're like, yeah. It's like, I mean, I, I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, well, this is. I mean, it's unfortunate, but that also shows you that these teachers are doing this, be- and I guess uh, same with Carolyn Collins are doing this because they love the kids and what they do, and not because they're trying to, you know, they want to make a living too. But like. It's clearly not about the money because you're if like you would never find anyone at my company putting in their own money for something like that. Or like say there were like there was some sort of uh, like I work for a car company. Say there was some sort of cool car show I wanted to go to Mm -hmm. and um, they didn't approve it in the budget to give me a a plane ticket to go there. I wouldn't be like, oh, well, I'm so committed to this company and and making these products great that I'm going to go on my own dime. I'm like, all right, well, F you guys. I like I'm not like. It's just a it's just a different uh, mentality, and I I appreciate it. Shout out to Karen Collins. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And my last shout out uh, for this episode, um, I know you're not a huge dog person, Jared, but you know I love <laughs> I love my dogs out there. Um, Where are my dogs at? Right. Um, and uh, there's a video of this uh, volunteer named Ryan Nichols. So shout out to Ryan Nichols. Apparently, he's actually a volunteer all the way from Longview, Texas. And he uh, is wading through knee-deep water to uh, rescue these dogs that were stuck in a cage as uh, floodwaters in North Carolina were uh, coming up. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's, it's a really uplifting video. Um, it's I'm really, not a huge dog person, mm-hmm. but I also don't want to see a lot of dogs just drown. Well, sure, of course. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, shit, man. If, if Not a monster. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, of course. But Good. it's, it's yes. crazy, um, you know, just the amount of pets that people don't realize are either left behind during natural disasters or stuck in cages or chained up. And uh, so shout out to Ryan Nichols yeah. for 
you know, and you can't. Mm-hmm. It's tough too because you can't even really fully blame the the people or families that are doing this because like most of these people that do this, it's like yeah, I have like I. I don't want my dog to die. I love my dog, but my main concern is my kids or whatever, or my, you know, my husband or wife. It's like, I can't, I can't like, we have one car that we have to take with us and it's filled to the brim with our stuff. I can't bring the dog, unfortunately. And it's sad, but uh, that's why we need, you know, cool that uh, someone's out there trying to do some help. And now the unfortunate part is that they're all going to end up in shelters. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not going to say they're all going to be killed, but you know, Right. Living in a shelter is not an easy life either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's crazy if you look at pictures of dogs who get adopted and just their body language and everything when they're at a shelter versus once they're like acclimated at home with yeah. like an I, owner. I've seen a lot of that too with um, just like the like visual health. Like you see like their coats growing thicker when they're living in a home and and they're obviously they're more active because they can be. But like it is it is you do see sometimes those um those I'm going to make you cry videos on Facebook where oh, some sure. dog that was like beaten by some piece of shit. Right. And then some, some <laughs> lovely family takes it in and now it has a full beautiful coat and it's running in a large backyard. <laughs> right. Oh, for sure. The worst when I was growing up were all the videos with like Sarah McLaughlin, like, Oh yeah. In the arms in the of the age. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Talk about like pulling on your heartstrings and like, and the dog just has that like pouty look on his uh, face and is looking up at the camera. Right. You just going to leave me here. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. They, they really know how to advertise to your, to your emotions. That's for sure. Uh, Do you remember those ones? Dan Cook had a joke about it, but the ones where it was that dude with the all khakis that was, that would ask for like, Oh, for only a dollar, a dollar a day, oh, we yeah. can feed an entire village of kids. And it was a similar thing where it was like those kids just sitting there in the dirt, just looking up at the camera. And they're all and it's sad. Like, oh, God. And it's like, I would love to give money, but I have a great feeling that this money is not going anywhere close to those kids. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sadly. Especially, think... uh, especially with these TV commercials. How much do those commercials cost on TV? E- bro? Exactly. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, those are our shout outs. And uh, I think you know what time it is, Jared. Oh, look at that. Our clock just struck untranslatable o'clock <laughs> that's right <laughs> untranslatable o'clock it is and uh i want to give you a uh, a good check one for you jared so this is rukunato uh and that means to offer your hand so it's not to give assistance i'm gonna guess no to show offer your hand when i hear offer your hand it almost seems like to show like to show your cards Okay. Like to reveal. Interesting. Because uh-huh. um, offer your hand to us as Americans would be to help someone. That's would be almost a direct translation. Right. But that's not what it is. Not really. Um, I mean, okay. think think about it more visually. If you offer your hand to someone, I'm not talking about marriage. This isn't like to offer a hand in marriage. Mm-hmm. But and not to help someone. And not to help someone, which also does make sense. But I mean, what do you what do you do with your hands? Oh, to shake someone's hand to. You're getting closer, getting warmer. High five, uh, hug. You were closer with the shaking. Mm-hmm. Oh, shake. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I don't know. Is it the uh, check word for dap? Dap someone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, not quite. It, it basically means um, to offer your hand in a pledge of something. For instance, to seal a business deal. Oh, uh, okay. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like. When you see on uh, like, like TV on when uh-huh. when two different uh, like national leaders are shaking their hands for like three minutes, mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> yeah, just like strike a business deal, um, something like that. Uh huh. So it's oh, so it's like so if someone were to go back on it, I'd be like, what are you doing? I offered you my hand last week, and now you're telling me you don't right. want to do this deal anymore. Right. You're a shady man. My first one is uh, Swedish, and it's blog be- blog bathing blog bathing, and blog is exactly what you might think it would be. Like a like a blog. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Really? Can you say it again? And blog bathing. And what's the second word mean? And bathing is quake. Blog quake. Is that like when something goes viral? <laughs> yes, I like it is. That, a blog quake. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's a little antiquated now. Blogs aren't that big of a deal anymore. But I think it's awesome. It's like, oh, man, this this really caused a blog quake on Twitter. That's awesome. <laughs> we, need to, we can we, even go like with like a Twitter quake update a little that, bit. Right. <laughs> or an Insta quake. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's I think that's a great word. That's the the awesome. idea of a, of a quake of it causing like a quake. That's so like that awesome. One. Yeah. I hope the untranslatable podcast will be doing some blog quaking in the near future. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, I need to hit up Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, Jared, I got another one for you. Uh, this one is Czech, and it is Nakolenye. And that means, sorry, sorry, that means on one's knee. And it does, also, hmm. this one is not a marriage one. Is it to beg? That's a good guess, but not quite. Not quite. Give up. Mm, no, not really. Okay, give it to me. This is nakolenye is uh means like in primitive conditions without appropriate tools. Hmm. So I guess like So that doesn't mm-hmm. So that doesn't really I mean that doesn't so the the actual literal translation doesn't really offer much as far as what it actually means though. Not I would say. not really. I mean, I guess if you think about like if you needed to go somewhere and you're on one knee you're you don't have the appropriate tools to really walk very far maybe right you're kind of helpless at mm-hmm. that yeah yeah okay yeah i gotcha i actually have an english one oh uh, okay. england as in britain right and i just happened to stumble upon it and i was like what the hell does this is <laughs> so this one is cut and twitcher and said it as an american it would be curtain twitcher a curtain twitcher Oh God! I mean, I know what those two words mean separately, but if you're a curtain, is that like you're like you're like an eavesdropper? Yes, it does. Ooh, all right. Chad's Chad's on fuego today. Uh, a nosy neighbor often caught peering out of their uh, street uh, on, on their street activities okay. from a curtained window. So it's currently you know c- constantly twitching right. your your yeah, curtains, looking, looking out. Through them. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one in terms of imagery. Um, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Don't be such a cut and twitcher. <laughs> that's great. All right, Jared, I actually have one more in check for you. Okay. So it is ma obie rutse leve, which means he has two left hands. Uh, clumsy. Yeah. Hit that ham horn, my man. I mean, we basically say he has two left feet. It means like yep. either clumsy or you're not like very good at something. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I'd say maybe if it was hands, maybe I, sh- I probably should have said like butterfingers. That would have been my first thought, but I right. guess that would have been wrong. It's more clumsy than just a butterfinger. I have one more as well. Nice. And this one is Mandarin, and it's uh, Mama Hoo Hoo. 
Mama hoo-hoo. <laughs> I wish people could see my like expressions when I did do you, that. Did you, did you make sure that's the right tones? No. Because <laughs> who knows? You could be saying something that means completely different. Something completely I could put different. it. I could put it in if you want me to see what see what the. I'm curious uh, to see what the actual. Um. I wonder if I could put in the actual uh, the actual uh, characters because I have them. You, yeah, I, I would I, put I in the actual characters. Because what I can tell you about the the minimal knowledge I know about Mandarin is based on the the tones. It will change. It can change the meaning of a word. I think actually now it looks like it's mama, mama, hoo, 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 hoo. All right, there's going to be a slight, <laughs> a slight crackling when I plug in my uh, mixer to my Interesting. All right, let's, uh, let's hear this. Here we go. Uh, let me, oh, I got to turn my computer. Shoot. There you go. Mama, hoo, hoo. I was right. Oh, yeah, okay. I was and right. what do the, those two words mean? Uh, horse, horse, tiger, tiger. Horse, horse, mama, hoo, hoo. I, I, so horse. I guess mama is horse and who, who, or who is tiger <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, is this like I, apples to oranges? No, 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 no. Oh. No. I chose this one so uh, to go because three for three. the story of it is hilarious to me. Okay. So, uh... In English, it means, uh, for us, it would mean so-so, or as the French would say, comme ci, comme ça. Okay. And uh, the story goes that there was once a lazy artist who only painted horses for some reason. I don't know nice. how that's a job. Um, <laughs> but was commissioned to paint a tiger, trying to stick to uh, what he knew he illustrated, a half, ti- uh, half horse, half tiger monstrosity. Yes. Since the painting was neither a, uh, of a horse nor a tiger, it didn't sell. <laughs> oh my god are you serious that's hilarious <laughs> i'm googling this to see if i can find the painting oh i didn't even think about that how did that not even cross my mind when i was reading that because i did find it hilarious. you should look up the uh look up the characters and see if you can find yeah it. i did it's not not coming up nothing's coming up i mean nothing that relates interesting. to it that's hilarious that is a great story oh my gosh <laughs> What kind of job does that guy have, and how lazy can someone be? I'm just going to paint horses for the rest of my yeah, life. You'll get it. You'll get it. Oh, wait. I did find it. Yes. I'm definitely saving this picture. Please do. And I'm, we're definitely going to tweet and Instagram this picture out. Oh, hell yes. It is hilarious. Hell yes. Please do. <laughs> Send that to I me as well, because I want to see this. That is so funny. That is awesome. Well, Jared, I think that uh, draws a close to our untranslatable section for this episode. So let's move on and start discussing the roles of a language teacher. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, well, you being the language teacher, let's just start by you telling me what do you think your role is as a language teacher? Well, let me let me a- answer that question by asking you a question. Which types of language classes am I teaching? <laughs> Are they speaking and listening classes? Are they language-based content classes? Are they... Well, um, for the sake of me and the listeners, let's start with your current classes that you're teaching because that okay, we're most so familiar with. Okay, so speaking and listening. Very good. So speaking and listening, I would I would view myself in a lot of ways as a facilitator, as a motivator. Um, I, I don't view myself when I'm teaching a speaking and listening class as the sole speaker or like knowledge giver. 
I think if you look at traditional lectures, like kind of like the Socratic uh, method, like Socrates, um, teachers and professors are viewed as like the, the pure like knowledge givers, right? Whereas I think in a speaking or listening class, it's very important for you to give the students input and language that they can use and understand, but mm -hmm. also to give them the freedom to speak uh, with each other, also with the teacher, um, and try to really build a, a good environment where students feel comfortable speaking. Do you think you do that? Do you, are you good at that? I, do you think? Let me clarify. I mean, I, I try. I, I don't know. I mean, I usually am able to get students to talk. Um, sometimes, some days it's easier than others, like any profession. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing with um, being a, a language teacher is you have to be aware that your roles will consistently be changing depending on your students, their proficiency level, the content you're you're discussing, everything like that. Do you give yourself uh, like a mission statement at the beginning of a semester, or you know when you started teaching certain different styles, you're like, if if I'm going to be doing this, then I better make sure that I at least cover. I mean, you name those things mm -hmm. that you like to hit, but like, is there some some sort of inner focus that you have, or it's like oh, I'm not I'm not this is not how I should be doing it. Like I'm going off a little bit. Right. That's a great question. Um, I wouldn't say that maybe a mission statement per se. I do have a teaching philosophy, uh, like a, you know, that I wrote out, um, that kind of out for a class or just personally, per personally. Okay. I have it on my website actually. Um, you have a website. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Got a website okay. with a teaching portfolio and everything, man. Are you going to, are you going to plug it? Uh, I, I mean, I can, <laughs> I definitely can. Uh, that means no. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't really want to plug it just because I like to keep the pot, the pot no, a little I'm with bit you. separate from you. from my actual like personal teaching career. Um, yeah, but um, I mean, but in, you'll in tell my... kids when you lost your virginity. That's fine. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing, Jared. I think it's important to be upfront, honest, and sometimes not be afraid to be personal with your students. Because yeah, no, when, I'm you, with you, on when that. you do share personal information, I think students are much more likely to also share personal information with you, right? If I'm really reserved and closed off to the class, why mm -hmm. are they going to feel free and open to discuss their personal lives with me? And as language teachers, we're going to be talking about things that are personal. That's just a part of the job. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah, all right. You know, I'm going to stop making fun of you for that. I just, it's so, it's so funny to me. I mean, it is funny. Don't get me wrong. And I, I kind of didn't, didn't believe it when, uh, the student, when it came out the student's mouth, but I thought, you know what? Um, you know, I had to make a split sec a split second decision either. Yeah. I'm gonna, gonna not tell them or, or I'll just tell them in hindsight. I wish I would have joked about it and like made some reference, like actually like, haha, I'm still a virgin or something. You know what I mean? Like, but <laughs> I wasn't a joke. Enough on <laughs> What's so funny about that? If you've, if you've ever seen the 40 year old virgin, Jared, I think you would understand. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, but yeah, so I don't know. I think the roles of a language teacher though, change a lot depending on the classes you teach, the students you have. Um, I think for some students, um, especially lower level students, a lot of times you do have to be that knowledge the giver. giver of knowledge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause you're at that point you're it's, it, they don't know anything. So you have to give them some sort of basis. Right. Exactly. To start working with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I feel like that's harder though. 
uh, that that's that style of teaching being the knowledge giver yeah oh yeah i would agree with you i would um, most definitely agree uh-huh does your idea of the role of teachers differ from obviously it differs from other teachers mm-hmm. uh from other colleagues that you respect or other teachers that you've say say uh, uh teachers that you've uh, watch that you try to emulate. Do you still see something about their roles that you're like, I don't like that, or like, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take this and leave that. Oh yeah. Can you give us an example? I don't want to like. I don't know if I'm putting too much on you. <laughs> no, no, you're good. These okay. Are, these are great questions. Um, I would say it's and uh, also to kind of highlight what you what you said. I think it's very crucial if you want to improve as a teacher for in any field, languages or otherwise, to observe a lot of other teachers. And try to learn from them. And like you said, some things you might take from their teaching, other things you might not. Um, I've had teachers in the past that I've observed that did a lot of choral work. And what choral work basically means is there's a difficult word, like a lot of Czechs uh, have difficulty saying the word particular. Just I don't know if it's the word stress or, or, or what it is. But then what a lot of teachers will do, will they'll do a lot of choral work where they'll say, okay, class, everyone say particular one, two, three, and then everyone says particular, right? I try to use that very sparingly. I know some teachers who overuse this method. Um, I think it's useful with beginners. And I mean, really, it's useful for a lot of different levels of learners. But the issue is, if I'm teaching a, a speaking and listening class, it's not very communicative, right? What mm-hmm. I mean by that is there you're not really attaching any meaning to it. In theory, I could be sitting in front of the class or standing in front of the class and saying something, and um, the students would have no idea what it actually means, right? Unless you explain that to them beforehand or afterwards. But, you know, it's kind of pointless to just repeat words if there's no context, there's no meaning, things like that. Right. The thing I don't like about that, too, is... I mean, it's it. It seems like there there are going to be some people in the class that can say particular with no problem, mm-hmm. and there's going to be some people in the class that are struggling extra hard with particular. Sure. And if if you're just doing the choral work, how are you gonna? How do you point out who's struggling and who's not? Do you have to like what look for their mouths and look at their faces for confusion? Or I mean, well, I I do have to say another. You mentioned a good point. Another role of any any teacher in general is be a good face reader. Because there are a lot of times where students, you'll say something and you'll say, are there any questions? Is everything clear? And you'll see two students that are just perplexed and you can tell on their face. But um, I would say with choral work, the reason why I think it should occasionally be used and used sparingly is because it takes pressure off of students to worry about their own pronunciation being analyzed under a microscope, right? So mm-hmm. if you were my language student and I gave you a difficult word and then I force you to say that word in front of the entire class, it's pretty stressful. You know, I mean, learning a foreign language is stressful enough as it is. I think it's important to build an environment in which your students feel comfortable to speak. And if I put you on the spot and make you speak and make you pronounce words that you have a lot of difficulty pronouncing... Nobody wins in that situation. So what you do is you do the choral work. Then you can break it up into smaller groups and have them say the word together. I would rather do that with a list of words that might be related to the vocabulary or the topic I'm covering instead of just one word. Um, 
Do you have a make sentences out of those words? You, I feel you, like just saying you, a word over and you over can. again is going to Absolutely. Get old. You can. You can. There's a lot of things you can do. You can make them say sentences. You can give them like a, like write a sentence up on the board that's not in the correct order and have them kind of unscramble it. You could also mm, write a few short, right? And you could write a few short sentences with the word and have them try to figure out which sentence goes first, second, and third and read the mm-hmm. sentences aloud. There's a lot you can do with it. Um, but anyways, choral work would be one thing that I think can be overused in language teaching occasionally. Um, I've had definitely had teachers in the past who, who did that. Um, another, another thing I've observed um, also that I really don't like is I think a lot of teachers don't give students enough time to really process the language. So they'll be teaching something. I observed a class one time with this teacher where um, she would just put students right on the spot. And I always try to give my students some time to think because one, they need to process the language in their brains of what I was telling them or asking them. Mm-hmm. And then they have to formulate an answer in their head. And by you just putting them on the spot, once again, I think it adds a lot of stress. And there's a lot of research out in, in second language acquisition, which is the field of you know how we learn languages, that show that an anxious learner or a stressed learner will not do nearly as well as a as a learner who is calm, or or, mm-hmm. or not oh, under sure. stress, which makes sense. When I, when I uh, during piano, um, uh, when it's um, when when uh, I'm playing some sort of new song, my piano teacher will ask me, uh, she'll be like, "What's the key signature of the song?" Quick, mm-hmm. and she wants me to do it quick so I so I can figure out quickly like what to put like like what to look for to figure out what what key it's in because there's certain things you can look for and it's obvious mm-hmm. but whenever she does that when she says quick like i just start panicking in my mm-hmm. head <laughs> yeah oh yeah i'm like shit 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 what am i looking for what am i looking for <laughs> right gotta look at those sharps and flats my man uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, and so she, she, i understand why she does it and it makes sense mm-hmm. but i we i totally understand what you're saying because as soon as she says quick i'm like oh oh, oh god right. i don't know and i was like yeah you do know it's just as soon as she says quick, you start like you re- you, f- you realize or feel like you're going slow or something. I don't right. know. Oh, for sure. And one thing I've observed from some teachers that I really admire um, as not only as teachers, but as people as well, is they are quick on their feet when they're teaching and they're not afraid to go off their lesson plan. If the if the lesson itself takes a different twist or turn, you know, if if they want to cover certain things in the conversation or the discussion and then realize it's not going there. Instead of stopping the discussion and trying to steer it in that direction, they organically let it take its own direction and have the students, you know, talk about whatever whatever they thought or whatever they think or whatever they're feeling. I think mm-hmm. a lot of teachers out there, um, they spend a lot of time writing their lesson plans and preparing, which is great. But you know, teaching is not a lesson plan. You know, um, obviously, you can use that to help guide you. But I, I think some of the best teachers I have seen have been willing to get stray a little bit away from their lesson plan as long as they're still meeting their goals or objectives. Right. But uh, yeah, but but have a little more faith in yourself. Right. And your students. You know, I, yes. I think you if you have to spoon feed your students everything, you're not doing a good enough job preparing them for whatever you want them to do. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, how's your bullshit meter? Um, it's gotten a lot better over these last four years. I can say yeah. that. I feel like you're not. I feel because I, I asked that because I feel I am thought it wouldn't be good because you're so nice. Mm-hmm. 
And you always seem like you want to like hope for the best out of people. Right. Which is not good. I feel like that's not, I mean, that's kind of not a useful technique for a teacher no, because kids are, uh, kids are dubious little, uh, people. They, they definitely can be, but I think what's important is building a good relationship with your students. And I think if your students respect you, um, you don't have to deal as, with as much bullshit. You know, that's fair. Mm -hmm. I've definitely, I've definitely, yeah, I've definitely, yeah, that's a hundred percent fair. When I was in high school, the teachers that, um, I did not like definitely dealt with more like sarcasm from me mm -hmm. and smart assness than the ones that I liked to. I was, you know, I was on my best behavior. Yep, exactly. And so you try to build a relationship with your students where one, they can talk to you and come to you if they, if they need things. Um, or something's unclear, but also that there is that respect there. But I think a lot of times it has to be mutual. You know, if you're if you're just kind of this totalitarian authority figure in your classroom uh, and your students are afraid of you or they're intimidated by you, especially as a language teacher, that's not really ideal in my in my opinion. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Do you think there is a, a class that's not language teaching, but another subject? That would lend itself more to that. Maybe, maybe math or something. Uh, nah, fear is not really necessary for math, but mm, totalitarianism might be where you're just like this. Maybe. Is it. I'm not sure. That's a good question. I mean, when I when I think back when I was a student, I would say no in every subject, because yeah. if I'm intimidated by you, I'm the type of person where if I'm inti intimidated by you and afraid of you, and I don't like shut you, down. I'm exactly. I'm gonna either shut down or I'm just. You know, I'm going to only care when you're looking over my shoulder. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like pretend that you're that you're participating. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I've been there before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I've also been there before where um, I don't want to give off the impression that I don't know what the heck's going on. Mm -hmm. So like I, I have I, I'm involved I, i'm looking like i'm doing it and i was like as i stare at my paper i'm like i don't know what right. the hell is going on while everyone else around me seems to be getting it mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm the only one not writing right now okay good to that's know. that's why i think another really important role of a teacher is to be a very good observer uh be able to pick up on things fairly quickly and uh try to diagnose what's going on and fix the situation you know whether it's your student doesn't know. Sometimes your students, like I, I had a class a, a few days ago. It was their first class of the day and they were just tired and weren't quite awake yet. And so um, I actually made all my students get up and walk around and talk to each other. And that woke them up. So, oh, nice. Mm -hmm. That's a great, you could, that's a great way to wake them up and do like a uh, you know, small talk uh, kind of practice. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, look at you, Chad. I'm, I'm trying uh, my best, man. What can I say? Do you think, I mean, you haven't been a teacher for long, mm -mm. but have you seen uh, your, 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 what you think your role has changed even over a couple of years? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think when I was doing a lot of German teaching as a, as a teaching assistant, it was a lot more like grammar focused stuff and like trying to really prepare my students for their tests because the tests and quizzes were like a huge part of their grade. Mm -hmm. And then I started volunteering in a refugee center where it was, tr you know, I was trying to give students very useful survival English that will help them in their own personal lives and their professional and you're not lives. testing them. You're just trying to. Exactly. So 
So I think the reason why my opinion about the roles of teachers has changed is because my own individual role has changed in different classes, right? Um, some, I mean, this may sound really corny or really cheesy, but sometimes as a teacher, you also got to be a cheerleader a little bit. You got to encourage your students. You got to support them. They're going to make some mistakes. They might, you know, fall on their ass after they try that first backflip or that back handspring. <laughs> you got to be there to pick them up and, and still tell them, good job. You tried your best. And uh, I think that's really important. When I started at the company I work at now a couple of years ago, uh, I left my other company because I, I hated it. And I felt like my job didn't matter. No one really cared about me being mm -hmm. there, all that stuff, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And so I was at my um, my new job for a couple months or whatever, weeks, whatever. And my boss was asking me for something, and I gave it to him. He's like, all right, good job, Jared. And I was like, whoa, why does that feel so good? Uh -huh. <laughs> it makes a big difference. And it was, it was it? almost – I almost was embarrassed at how good it felt. It was like my my mom or dad telling me mm -hmm. they're proud of me for the first time or something. And it's right. like, oh, yeah, like – I I'd spent the past year at a job just just kind of floating through, just having no idea what anyone thought of me or if I was doing the right mm -hmm. thing. And it was like, oh, wow. Like even just the smallest, um, uh, what's the word, uh, affirmation mm -hmm. can really make a difference. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and actually I was told here in the Czech Republic um, by some um, Czech teachers that they, their students don't get a whole lot of praise and encouragement from the teachers because I think just culturally, I think Americans for the most part, or at least let me rephrase, Midwesterners for the most part, are yeah. very positive, very encouraging, you know, um, and and I don't quite... You betcha. Right? I don't quite <laughs> feel that necessarily here in the Czech Republic. I don't think it's that the people here are rude or anything like that. I think it's just that they... They really give you praise when it's something like really praiseworthy. Whereas I think in the States and especially in the Midwest, we'll praise you if you do a little thing and it's good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that also comes with um, uh, people. We're, we're probably stereotypically more polite than people in the in, uh, Czech Republic, especially in the Midwest. Right. So there's a lot of like, I, I, I think a lot less of that. Direct. Yeah. A lot of that might even just come from, you know, a lot of the, the affirmations that, that you're talking about that we give in the Midwest. I think, yeah, you're right, we give more, but I think some of them do feel a, a, a less genuine mm -hmm. when that happens. Oh, where agree. it's like, and you're just saying that just because you, you're just trying to be nice. It's like, let's, let's, how about you tell me how you really feel? Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Another important role, I think, for a language teacher is to be a model of that language. Um, and I think this goes for native speakers or non-native speakers. Um, you know, I mean, for some students, you may be the only person other than their classmates that they interact with in that language. So right. you really need to do a good job of teaching them the right things, using the right words. There are certain words, um, you know, that I try to avoid in my English teaching because they're not very common or frequent frequent words, um, so you you in your, like not only are you teaching English, but you also have to be very cognizant of what's coming out of your mouth. Because it's like mm -hmm. the way you might be talking to me now is not really how you can talk to your students. You you know maybe uh, like because it's like yeah I'll use this word, but that's not really not really something that I would rec like recommend some someone just learning the language to try out. Right. Do you also? Um, you're pretty good at this already, but do you have to 
limit things like likes and, and weaknesses like that or ums? Because I feel like saying like a lot, I mean, that's a typical American sort of mm-hmm. weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, does that stuff translate to to the um, to the Czech people? So if you're saying like or um a lot, will they start to do that? Pick it up? I mean, I try not to use... I would say I use um more frequently than I do like. Yeah, but that's universal, so that's that's okay. Right. Um, <laughs> there we go. Just dig it there. <laughs> I mean, I just think it's... I'm trying, really trying my best to teach them, you know, ac- academic English um, and, and also American English because... They learn British English. A lot of their teachers, if you listen to their grammar, oh, screwed. Um, right, and so, so yeah. So, like for example, um, like, a whole bunch of curtain twitches. Exactly. Like, like, did you know, Jared, that Brits will say so in English, in American English, we would we say, "Do you have?" Right. Mm-hmm. In England, they say, "Have you got?" Do they really? Yeah. Have you got a car? Do you have a car? Have you got is is bad English in America. Yeah, but that's American English. British English, have you got a car, is completely appropriate. Interesting. Yeah. So it's also sometimes being aware of... Those subtleties. Exactly. The subtleties and nuances of language. Um, like uh, yesterday, I was explaining to students that... Well, here, Jared, you're, you're a native speaker of English. How would mm-hmm. you feel if someone said the word maths? <laughs> That's kind of like when someone says, I went to university, uh-huh. where it's like, you're not from here. Yeah. And if, <laughs> yeah, maths is a very British, maybe Canadian as well. Probably. But very uh, British thing. Yeah, and, so uh, I explain that to the makes students. Little, very little sense in, uh, uh, in America, where it's like, well, well, there's one math. There's not a bunch of math. Well, you know why they say maths, right? It actually makes more sense in the British way. I would, I'm sure I would it does. argue. <laughs> I'm sure it does. Um, because we because it's I think it's shortened for mathematics. Uh okay. Which, which is yeah, plural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm sure there is a legitimate reason. Yeah. But I but I told that to my students and uh and most times when I teach here in the Czech Republic, I have a, a Czech teacher observing me because they're they're also here to observe me and and try to learn from, you know, the different methods and, and things I use in my own teaching. And so, so they're not is there anyone that like reports back to the to the larger company that that places you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a couple different reports and things. Um, we do like weekly meetings, uh, my mentor and I, and discuss things. Okay. Um, so yeah, um, I mean we have. To, I think we just have to do that for quality control, without a doubt. Right. Right. Um, Make sure they're not you know talking about their sex life in class or whatever. Right. God forbid. <laughs> I've had other teachers tell me that students had asked them about other questions that were similar and like questions about drugs and other things. So honestly, man, see I, I, drugs is, seems like an even harder one than sex for, to me. I would agree. So that's why I'm glad that, uh, I got, <laughs> yeah, you got off easy then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I can't blame them though. Like if I were the student, I, I don't know if I would do it, but I would, it wouldn't shock me. That's many people in my class probably would. Right. Um, uh, I had something I was just about to say. Oh yeah, do you ever uh, catch yourself slipping? What do you mean? Where it's like like falling into those bad habits that you say you try to avoid. Where it's like, man, I feel like I've been lecturing these people, or like, man, I feel like um this this assignment is not going as the way I. I mean, maybe that happens, but like, I feel. Do you ever feel like you're lecturing people? Some or, sometimes it it depends on the subject matter. Like here in the Czech Republic, I have to teach 
technical English. So like focused on like engineering, computing, different things like that, which I'm definitely not an expert in by any means. But then there's also, um, I have to teach the topics for their exit exam called the maturita. And I've noticed that the maturita exam topics are much easier to teach because they're more general. Like I've taught about U.S. geography, um, U.S. education. Um, and I can tell that I get more engagement and excitement out of my students whenever I teach something that's U.S. related because in a way I'm kind of the perfect model for them because, you know, their other teachers aren't from the United States. Right. Um, so do they, do they see you as kind of like uh, cool because you're American? I think some of them, yeah. I think some of them yeah. I still have to win their uh, win their respect over. Um, uh, who's this fucking guy? Right, right. <laughs> but the trick is you can't you can't try to be cool. Like I don't try. I just be me. You and just are exactly. <laughs> exactly. I like the way you. It's think just too. all natural. Exactly. <laughs> but what what I what I will no, do. No, but when you try, people uh, that's even worse because people exactly. can tell when someone's trying. Exactly. Like I had a couple of students like dab in class and i was like i thought about it and i was like how cringy would it be if a teacher did that <laughs> like that would just be so cringy like dad it would be, be like, you know what i mean it's like I, but i think you're you're young enough to get away with it though like if I, it was like uh, 30s plus i might be like all right i mom, still don't relax. think so <laughs> i still don't think so i think i'm too old for it to be honest and um, you're just maybe, maybe also because you're in the teacher role even though you're not as old as they might think you might just be seen as older just right. because of oh for sure your authority position for sure um, the other thing, too, though, you, you mentioned, you know, if I'm like kind of slipping, going down the wrong path while I'm teaching, I, I have a, a strong rule of thumb when I teach. Um, and, and I have to give a big thank you to uh, one, of, one of the best professors I've ever had, um, Dr. Bill Van Patten. Um, he, he explained in one of my language classes that if you talk, you know, if you say like, I don't remember the number of sentences, but it was like three or four or five or six sentences. And you don't include the students in some way. You're basically lecturing them or talking at them. So I try to have that's a, all it takes. I mean, that's not that much. Right. Um, and so I try to use examples with, with students, even if it's just saying their name or, or just quickly right. asking them, you know, what do you think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Or, or get the whole class involved and say like today, class got a little stagnant and so a student had mentioned something about soccer and i said okay everyone in the class who plays soccer raise their hand everybody everyone who plays hockey their raise their hand um, <laughs> the entire class had hands up right but it, but it's just a good way to i think if you get the students involved not only in the obviously in the lesson plan but also just by talking to them regularly um, and also having them talk to each other it's a good way to break up just you know kind of lecturing at them the whole hour yeah i i always I, I mean i always enjoy the classes where uh where i'm more involved and then where there's some sort of group work or something because mm -hmm. it, yeah it's it's just it one it, it it forces you to um it forces you the student to to do the work like mm -hmm. like if, if it's some sort of group work then there's or, or some sort of conversational work. Say you get into a group of this, you know, of three, and pretend you're sitting at a restaurant or whatever. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, it forces that to happen rather than you just talking at them and hoping that they're picking up what you're saying. Right. And sometimes I'll also use examples. I try to use examples that will reach a broad spectrum of the students. Right. Like maybe you know, 
make it make a joke about like something that most of the students are interested in or like. For example, uh, we were talking about engineering the other day, and the students didn't know the English word for blueprint. And I knew a couple students in the class listened to rap music. So I said, okay. you know where I'm Jay-Z. going with this. Yes, sir. <laughs> I said, this is also the name of a Jay-Z album. And a student got it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. So when you can use real world examples that connect to their own personal life and their interests, I think it really helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, do you think you do anything that uh, that innovates the role of a teacher that you wish you could pass on to other teachers, young or old? Oh wow, man, that is a that is a great question. Holy crap! Um, Where you're like, man, I do this, but like I don't know if anyone else does, but they probably should because it seems to work whenever I do it. You're gonna have to give me a moment to think on this one. That's that's a really <laughs> loaded question. I mean, I like I said. I would, and I don't think this is necessarily special to me specifically, but I think a lot of the students that that went through the same graduate program as as I did tend to um, really just try to have a very communicative class. Um, I think some teachers spend too much time lecturing. Um, Teachers also like to talk, so too much time talking. So if there's any tip I could give any teacher out there, young or old, Find ways and activities to get your students talking regularly, not only during group work with each other, but with you. Um, Get a dialogue, build a relationship with your students. I would say one of my strengths so far in these four years that I've been teaching have been being able to build a solid relationship with my students because I think if you just come into class, you teach the material and you leave, the students aren't going to care as much. But if you come in, I like to spend a couple minutes every day, you know, how are you, what's going on, what are your plans, you know, things like yeah. that. And some people might think it's a waste of time, but I think, you know, we're all just people at the end of the day, teacher, student, regardless. Um, and I think when there, when you have a good relationship with someone, it really can help um, you in more ways than than just how smoothly the lesson plan goes. You know, I think if your students feel comfortable with you, they're more likely to share more information with you, whether it be private, personal or whatever. To me, I feel like students that I've had in the past um, that have given me good reviews on my, like my teaching reviews, a lot of them have said, you know, I I made the class personable and I also um, tried to have a lot of like energy and passion for whatever I was teaching. Even some days, man, you have to fake it till you make it, you know? Of course, um, yeah. Definitely. I'm doing that right now on this podcast. <laughs> right. You would be, be both. <laughs> but I think the biggest thing for most teachers is giving your students a platform in which they can be more autonomous, where you don't yeah. have to hold their hand. You can be there as the facilitator. You can be there as an extra resource. But you should not be the one that does all the, all the footwork. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But I think there are a lot of good teachers out there who do that. I don't think that's unique to myself. Okay. Okay. By the way, good news. My uh, headlamps have arrived for pickup at a, at the UPS store. Nice. So uh, Solid. your boy's ready to go camping. There you go. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so you mentioned that your role, you feel like your role alters depending on the kind of c- class you're mm-hmm. teaching, whether it's a uh, com- more conversational or, you know, the, um, more grammar based. Uh, 
you're you're now teaching Czech students. Does your role alter based off of where these people are, like the, where they're from, like rather like teaching Americans versus Czechs? Oh, 100 percent. A hundred percent. Because I think because do they operate? They operate differently in classrooms. Yes. Like one thing I love and I wish we did this in the United States, it, it kind of gives you a little bit of a power trip, but hit the kids. But uh, yes, no, that would be Africa. <laughs> um, and, and some countries in Africa still do hit their students, which I boggles my mind. But anyways, um, no, when you walk in the classroom, the students stop talking and they all stand up. Oh, really? And literally, they stay standing until you see until them? you say, please sit down. That's some. It's crazy. Re- that's dude. Re- some respectful shit. Yeah. That does, that does feel like I could imagine that giving you a slight power trip. Oh, you walk <laughs> in and it goes make from them stand for the to entire quiet. class. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone stands up. It makes you feel important. You know what I mean? It makes you. I mean, American kids, in comparison to most other cultures, are disrespectful as hell, bro. Oh, I would agree. I think the idea of standing up for a teacher. A kid would almost be like, I would never. <laughs> like, right. like right. the kid would be insulted by that. <laughs> but yeah, but I think, I think they do that a lot in though, Asian Asian cultures too, mm-hmm. where where it's that stand up and shut up as when the teacher walks right. in. Right. Well, I feel like too with other cultures, you know, I think in some cultures teachers are more respected. Obviously, um, mm-hmm. also like the way that different cultures view learning. I've had a lot of Czechs tell me which I find really interesting is they tell me their English isn't very good because they didn't have a very good teacher. Hmm. And I've had good German teachers and bad German teachers. And I feel like my German's pretty good. And I, I'm the type of person where I'm not going to blame my teacher for my own linguistic shortcomings, you know? Yeah. But I think yeah, it's here, a the Czech Republic, they put a lot of emphasis on the teacher. You are here to teach me, to give me this knowledge. And I think for some students, they they have maybe found it a little difficult, the amount of pair work and discussion work I do, because I'm not giving them, you know, a lot of um, just like me just talking at them and like teaching them by just lecturing. I, mm-hmm. I want them to have conversations and then we'll, we'll reconvene as a class and discuss those conversations. And... If I notice certain things come up, then I will teach them. You know, if like, for example, I had a lot of students who um, meant to say the word Jersey and they they use the word dress, you know, and, and so that was like a quick little teachable moment. But I think your role as a teacher, you have to be flexible and allow things like that to happen um, instead of just, you know, I feel like you can sometimes prepare for certain things that you might think would be wrong right like certain grammar things or whatever but at the end of the day i think you just have to really try to diagnose things as they come so they so student or people in general tend to have more respect for teachers there however with that extra respect comes more expectations mm-hmm. absolutely and i would say for example, um, I've also taught students from China and students from China, they're very well be I'm obviously we're generalizing here, but the students that I've had from China were always very well behaved. Um, but at the same time, they would sit there and take notes. And when I would try to get them to speak, it took them 
it took them almost a week or two weeks to really get used to speaking regularly and not just me speaking at them all hour. Mm-hmm. So we're, they're more used to just your typical lecturing. Right. And, and the Americans that I've taught for German classes, obviously not for ESL because that wouldn't make sense. But mm-hmm. the Americans I've taught for German classes usually have no problem discussing. And, and I've been lucky. I've had a lot of students who really did try their best. But I also think the role of the teacher is to allow um, code switching to happen. And for our listeners out there that maybe aren't caught up to all of our episodes, code switching is going back and forth between two different languages. It's kind of the easy, easy definition of it. Um, and some teachers, I think, you know, will say, oh, English only or German only or, or whatever. And here's the thing. That's not how we learn a foreign language. Like once you speak right. another language, you will always use that language one way or another to help you learn that second or third language. And I think that's just a normal, natural process. You know, mm-hmm. um, if if my check was better, um, you know, if there was a, a vocabulary word students didn't know, I could just give it to them and check and be done in, in a couple seconds. Whereas if I have to try to define it in English and give examples and do all this, that can take a lot of class time. Yes, for sure. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, no, that's a good point. I, I, as far as just straight up questions go, that's, that's all I have. But anything else you want to say about this? Any, any, uh, anything that you think we missed? Um, well, we, we've had a really good discussion about this. Um, and I hope our listeners out there, especially people interesting in going into the profession of teaching, um, can learn a thing or two from this. Um, and also um, hit us up on Twitter, um, Instagram, uh, Gmail. We'd also love to hear what your opinions are on the different roles of teachers. But I do want to say a few more things before we end the segment, Jared. Um, first of Please. all, um, I mentioned that teachers are facilitators. I think that's one role. I think sometimes yes. teachers are also the knowledge givers. Um, there's sometimes no way to avoid that. I al- it's interesting <laughs> that you almost fight that. Like you say, sometimes there's no way to avoid it. Mm-hmm. You're a teacher. I mean, that's the in my mind that should, is that's like the number one thing, is to pass on some sort of knowledge or information. Well, I I agree with that. I guess if you, I think it becomes dangerous when you look at yourself as solely the knowledge giver. Right. Because I think stu- like like you're the all exactly. all knowing one. Exactly Everyone because I think students can learn a lot from their peers. I think mm-hmm. sometimes they may even learn more from their peers than their teacher. To be honest. Um, I know I have when I've taken some language classes before, Um, but I I think a teacher needs to be a facilitator, a knowledge giver, also a needs analyst. So they need to be able to uh, thank you. um, Thank you. Needs analyst. (laughs) Chad's the English teacher. Right. Go figure. (laughs) Exactly. They need to be a needs analyst. Sorry, I almost said it again. Um, And and also be very quick on their feet. And um, the best language teachers I've seen, like I've mentioned before during this segment, tend to be very flexible. I think that's really important. Um, it's important to have your goals and objectives in mind, but sometimes it's okay if your um, if your class goes in a different way than uh, than you initially intended. Sadly, sometimes two teachers are going to be counselors. Um, I've definitely had students share very personal. Um, things with me and I've had to that's hard. console them. It is. It is really hard. Um, I would also say... But I mean, mm-hmm. that's a good sign. I don't know what you... I think you're about to say what I was just about to say. But that also probably is a good sign 
that your students trust you and you're getting through to them Absolutely. and that they're actually like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they want to console you for something, but they would only do that if they, if they trusted you. Right. And to some extent, it probably shows that you're a good teacher. Yeah. And, and I think it, it also shows that also very uncomfortable. Yeah. Because yeah. It's like, oh, I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm here to teach you German or English. Like I can't, don't like I I don't want you to like I don't know it's like it seems very risky giving advice to kids like that yeah. you know what I mean yeah you have to be very careful like, what do I know you have to be very careful you're right and sometimes you know I was in the past I was only you know a few years older than my students so it's not like right. I had that much more <laughs> I have to be asking you that question <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly I think though too like one of the most heartwarming things you can ex- experience as a teacher is when your students come to you and they either have good news or they want your advice and they actually take your advice and your advice helps them in some way. I had oh, a student. Yeah. I mean, that feels good as a person in general, mm-hmm. not just a student. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I, I had a student come into my office one day um, and ask me um, if she should or should not study abroad. And I kid you not, we made a pros and cons Hell list. Yeah. And uh, I told her, look, I know it's a big financial burden. I know you're going to miss your friends and your family. But you're going to grow so much from that experience. And she took my advice and seems like she had the time of her life. And I spoke Where'd to you. Where'd she go? Um, Freiburg, Freiburg, Germany. Okay. And, uh, cool. and I, I talked to her afterwards, and uh, her German had really improved a lot. Um, but I also want to um, obviously, our podcast is a lot of just our own thoughts and opinions. But I also do want to throw out some actual um, language teaching. Um, citations here so there's a there's a really good um author um his last name is um i believe it's uh Har- harner who that thank you uh harner harner and uh um and this book is called the practice of english language teaching um and basically harner says um I'm, i think it's harner it's either yeah it should be um he says that what uh, was that? Were you, um, <laughs> were you just listening to his name or something? No, I was trying to um, read the text because uh, uh, I have oh, the text oh. in front of me. But uh, he he notes, I believe it's a he. Uh, I think his name is James. Um, he notes that a teacher is a controller, an assessor, an organizer, a prompter, also very important, a participant, a resource, a tutor, and an observer. So uh, controller, mm-hmm. that one's interesting. Well, it's like a facilitator. I think that's another word oh, for okay. facilitator. Same, same. I would say. Yeah, control just has a worse yeah. sound to I it. I prefer facilitator. Sounds a little more yeah. formal. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, for for all of our language teachers out there, or students trying to understand where their teachers are coming from, um, I think those are some very important roles of teachers: to be controllers, assessors, organizers, prompters, participants, resources, tutors, and observers. I have another question. Okay, go for I, it. I hate to You're destroy good. your beautiful ending to our segment. You're good. <laughs> but I have another question. Do you ever concern yourself with um, the longevity of teaching and, and sometimes seeing teachers get like soured by the process? Because, you know, I feel like I've seen, I've seen a lot of older teachers that still seem to love what they do and are very uh-huh. uh, into it. But I've also seen people kind of almost lose faith in... <laughs> humans in society mm-hmm. sometimes honestly, where they just seem jaded i'm gonna be honest with you and with all of our listeners out there that's one of my biggest fears as a teacher is to lose that love and that passion for it to the point where it's just your job obviously it's yeah. it's your job 
But I think sometimes you sadly have to have kind of a rosy, you know, view on it. You know, it's more than just your job. It's it's your way of life. It's it's the way that you would you call it a calling? Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I I think it's funny because a lot of people ask me, "Did you really want to be a teacher?" And uh, and my answer is always yes. I mean, I've just the, you know, obviously I've only been doing it for four years. So it's not like, you know, I'm the seasoned veteran. I would say I try to really read up on literature and, and try to inform myself and be the best teacher I can be. But I also think at the same time, you know, like you said, you can sadly sometimes lose, lose faith in your fellow humans. I think the mm-hmm. reason why some teachers might burn out um, is because they take a lot of it too personally. Um, yeah. You gotta also have a thick skin. Um, have very thick skin as a teacher. I mean, you know me fairly well, Jared. I'm I'm kind of a sensitive guy, and I wear my heart on my sleeve, <laughs> which is not also perfect if you want to be a teacher. Chat's crying in front of class, right? Front of students, right? <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, I have developed a thicker skin at least as a teacher because when I step in yeah. that classroom, it's it's a different not environment. Mm-hmm. Exactly, it's uh, not about me. It's a good point. I. I I used to date a girl that was a teacher and she was middle school teacher. It was different, Mm but, um, she like her, um, her mood and emotions seemed to be heavily based on how her, uh, how her day at work went and how her students were doing. She also, you know, she worked in Philadelphia Mm -hmm. and it was kind of a uh, lower income school. And so, you know, there's a lot of more involvement with realizing how the, how the kids live at how their home life is and all that stuff. And uh, like it, 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 it heavily seemed like her, her mood was based off of that. And I, I kind of like felt sorry for her. Like, it's like, man, like, you know, I, I don't, I work in an office and I don't really have that sort of connection to what I'm doing where it's like, these people need me like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can never imagine going home every day and, or going to work every day and just like, having my my mood be fully solely based on how my students are doing when you can't control how your students are doing and a lot of your students are unfortunately in difficult situations Mm -hmm. and so it's hard it's hard and i i and um whenever i would see that i would think like you can't live like this for the next 30 years or whatever it is not at all it's like that's 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 not sustainable no no not in any way shape or form um, uh, have you experienced, do you understand that feeling though? Have you seen oh, that? Oh yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. Um, and, and yeah, it's like I said, you just sadly have to develop a thick skin and not take things personally. And, but see, that's also what's really difficult is if you develop a really good relationship with your students and they're doing bad, it will, it will make you feel bad. Um, there's yeah. really no way around it. Um, not even if you have thick skin, it's still, and the thing bad. with the, go ahead. The thing with the thick skin though, is that there's that line where it's like, you need to realize that one, it's not about you and that, um, you know, you got a job to do, but also don't let that thick skin turn into that burnout that we were talking about before, where it's like your skin is so thick that you're not even really connected to what's going on. And sadly, some teachers go down that road for sure. There's also one other role. I cannot believe I forgot it, Jared. I think as a teacher, you also have to be an actor. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's a good one. Mm -hmm. That is a good one. I mean, you definitely do. You, you definitely have to. 
I, I like just walk in and and you know put it aside. Is this is this what you're saying? By the way, put aside whatever's going on in your life and mm-hmm. well, well, that and not let that and also not be afraid to laugh at yourself or make a fool of yourself. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, I I try to make jokes about myself all the time. Um, I think humor is also a great way to spruce up your your classes, especially language classes, because mm-hmm. if your students can get your jokes. I think then, like they're really starting to understand things. Like I made a yeah j- for sure. Uh, like I made a joke about. So I had a student ask me if I was learning Czech, right? And there's this type of um, like schnapps or liqueur here called um, Slivovica, a little extra untranslatable for you. It's usually <laughs> made out of plum, and a lot of people, not only in Moravia, which is the southern eastern, southeastern part of the Czech Republic make homemade Slivovica. They also do where I live more in the Bohemian region. And uh, so I met this guy who, a um, guy named Hansa. It seems like every third guy I meet here is named Hansa, which is a nickname for um, Jan, actually. Um, but because there's so many Jans, people go by like um, Jan, um, Janek, I've also heard, and uh, Hansa. And uh, anyways, this Hansa guy had his own homemade Slivovica, right? But he had it in like a plastic water bottle. And I'm learning some Czech and the water bottle, the name of the brand of water is Dobra Voda, which means good water. <laughs> okay. And and then on the like the top part of it, it says Slivovica. And so he handed it to me with the 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 writing of Slivovica on the back side of it and hands it to me and says very slowly, Dobra Voda. So I would understand, good water, right? <laughs> and so I kind of told my students this story and they were cracking up. And so, yeah. so, you know, I think when you can make your students laugh and sometimes you got to be a little theatrical, um, you got to yeah. make a fool of yourself. I think if you check your ego at the door, you're going to have a much better language classroom. Yes. Uh, yeah. That that's I've I've definitely I mean this is the stuff you're saying makes perfect sense to me it's just stuff I I've, not being a teacher I've never really thought about mm-hmm. but there is definitely something to disarming yourself and not, and not not just carrying yourself as some sort of because it's I I think a lot of it is in how you carry yourself because I've seen there are teachers where it's like this this person is not the one to be messed with versus this person uh, enjoy like for example um, our German teacher uh, Perry Myers. Mm-hmm. He uh he enjoyed like jokes. He enjoyed he even kind of enjoyed people making fun of him. Mm-hmm. Like every now and again, like like me or Guardo or something would make jokes at his expense, and he'd always find it hilarious. Yeah, he's such a great guy too. One of my favorite professors, hands down. Um, yeah, yeah, he was great. Yeah, oh, he absolutely. And and I think he he embraced a lot of these roles we've mentioned this segment. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I never really felt like. I couldn't ever ask questions or talk to him or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And he seemed like he was open to anything. Right. Like he's like, just, yeah, exactly. And he was also very good at, in, uh, at the disarming thing. Like he had that story about when he was in Russia and he didn't know what was going mm-hmm. on. And like someone asked for his pants or something like that yeah, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. I think uh-huh. when you bring your personal life into the classroom a little bit with funny anecdotes or whatever, Students really, um, they really take to that, and it's a, a really great opportunity for a lot of things. And I, I think, especially in your class, where you're a conversational class, mm-hmm. so if you can do that disarming and say, and like let make it clear to the kids that you can say essentially whatever you want in here, um, that'll make the whole conversation go way smoother. Where it's like, yeah, 
this we're trying to figure out how to talk so let's talk like people right Ex- exactly and and, and, and you yeah, have I'm to not, i'm not your boss you have to provide i think more authentic opportunities for language and um that's that's when i have more difficulty when i teach the more technical subjects because i'm a, no by no means a scientist or a technician or an engineer or any of these things and also unfortunately some of my students aren't going to be either but we still have to cover this material because it's a part of the curriculum um are, are you teaching yourself about that stuff oh yeah yeah i've been doing a lot of reading on it doing a lot of just looking for other resources that sounds boring um it's not ideal but it's the life of a teacher <laughs> the best right. resource that i've found so far have been ted talks oh yeah and yeah, that's yeah for authentic. sure you like ted talks I, don't I you i love ted talks absolutely Ted talks are kind of boring to me well, you gotta find ones. <laughs> Some of our interesting. You gotta find though. ones that are more up your alley. Like I watch a lot about yeah. language and about music, um, okay. and I really enjoy them. Um, you should check out the one with Bobby McFerrin, um, and so should our listeners out there. Um, it's really interesting. He talks a lot about music and how it's kind of this very natural human thing. Um, it's pretty cool. But uh, speaking okay. of music. I think we should uh, discuss our song of the pod. Smooth. Thank you, good sir. <laughs> um, the song of the pod this week is by a German group called um, Wise Guys. And uh, I, p- I picked the song this week for a very specific reason. The title of the song is Meine Deutschlehrerin. And Jared, could you please tell our listeners out there what that means in English? Uh, well, it means my... German teacher, specifically female German teacher, Lehrerin with the I-N at the end would mean female. Correct. So it's not completely uh, about Chad. But, uh, no, 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 no. Well, yeah, I didn't no, do this my German me, teacher, but about teachers in general. And so this is kind of a funny song. Um, but first, before I talk about it and I talk about the lyrics, I want to know, Jared, what are your initial impressions about it? Uh, I liked it. It definitely sounded, I didn't, I only listened to it maybe once or twice, or tw- two or three times. So, like, I didn't get a good understanding of what they were talking about. They're, it sounded like they were talking about, he was talking about how he has a crush on his German teacher. Yes, sir. Okay, so I did, I did kind of get it then. Um, but uh, it's an acapella. Mm-hmm. There, uh, there's a couple, uh, I don't know how many of them are, but there, it's an acapella. Five of and them, I believe. The thing about acapella is I love hearing it, but it's never something I put on my iPod. Okay. Like, you'd never find me just walking around jamming out to some acapella. But uh, it fit the vibe of the song pretty well. Acapella seems to suit this. I don't even know if what I'm saying makes sense. Acapella seems to suit funny songs like this very well for some reason. I don't know why, but it, that's that's the sense I got when I got this. And it's it's just a fun song about some dude that had a teacher so good that he uh, developed a crush, if I'm not mistaken. That's just from a listener, too. And I'm no German expert. What's ironic about most of our songs of the pod, though, is that if they are acapella, they're most likely picked by me, I would say. Yeah, I'm not going to pick an acapella song. <laughs> I really like acapella music. I don't know. Do you listen to it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I wouldn't do that. Uh, I, I like, I mean, I just like something. I need that beat to get me going. I, I need some sort of beat okay. other than some white dude beatboxing. Fair enough. No, no offense Fair to white enough. dudes that beatbox. Right. Do you want to go into some of these lyrics? Is there anything that yeah, stuck out to you? Yeah. Well, well, yeah. So as you mentioned, the whole song is about this guy's in love with his German teacher. Um, she was a wonderful woman with um, shoulder-length blonde hair. Um, she was the, the woman who was the only one for me. She was for me from the beginning. Um, 
Um, she taught me how to write. She taught me how to read. Um, let's I feel see. like this is like a. <laughs> I feel like we're reading Chet's fantasies right now. Like as you as the German teacher, this is what you hope people write I, about you. <laughs> I actually, I actually had a student come on to me when I was a German TA. Um, really? That was really awkward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess that's bound to happen at some point. Right. It's just a. It's just a You're funny song. Dude. Thank you, man. Um, uh, it's, what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I need some extra help. Can I come to your office hours? I think I think right. that uh, that's a podcast conflict of interest. <laughs> right. Oh, for sure, uh, for sure. We don't but need yeah. that kind of drama on this show. Right. Yeah. Most definitely not. <laughs> that, that's for sure. That is for sure. I just love this song because it's it's just really funny. Like it is funny. Yeah. And I feel like. Um, I feel like a lot of kids um, develop some crush on their teacher, you know, and they think she's like the smartest and the best. And, and but this is funny because like they talk about like, I love this little this little verse right here. Um, sie war so gebildet, uh, sie war so unglaublich schlau. So she was so educated. She was unbelievably smart or clever because she really knew everything from um like intonation and sentence structure. And Satzbau <laughs> rhymes with Schlau in German, so it sounds really good. Um, yeah. And so, so yeah, so it's kind of funny, yeah, like a love letter. But uh, it's so funny, too, because teacher. he's talking about how much he, he loves her, but he barely even mentions what she looks like. He's just like, I love how you explain sentence structure to me, and I love that. Exactly. <clears throat> Which, that's how you got a good teacher right there, regardless if they have the crush <laughs> on you or not. Uh, yeah, no, but that that is a um, that coming on to to teacher thing. I mean that that's why that's why it's a, a a big no no. It's because it's you're you're this person of authority, and it's and uh, I think it's it's easy for someone to be attracted to authority, mm-hmm. and it's it and it's easy for someone to take advantage of that. Where it's like I know you only like you don't know anything about me. All you see me as is some sort of authoritative figure. Mm-hmm. And seeing someone boss someone around and be authoritative can be hot for some people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's why uh, I can't, we can't do this because uh, this is breaking some sort of a trust. It's like oh, having sure. sex with your doctor or something. I don't right. know. I, I also feel like, though, too, <clears throat> with a teacher, especially if they're, if you make an impact on somebody, that can really be something quite profound. You know what I mean? Like, yes. If, if you know that, like, that person really helped you with something, Regardless if it's a teacher or a friend or a coworker or a family member, I feel like that definitely will grow your bond with someone and yeah. could definitely like, lead I'm to a crush on your teacher. Yeah, I, I'm good at this or I'm into this because of you. Right, exactly. Yeah. So to all of our listeners out there, check out our Twitter, Untranslatable1. We will have that posted when this episode mm-hmm. drops. Um, Meine Deutschlehrerin by uh, The Wise Guys. It's a great song. Um, especially if you like acapella, if you don't, uh, listen to some of our older songs of the pod. Um, listen to some of the Jared selected songs. Exactly. So. <laughs> I feel like it's pretty clear which ones are yours and which ones are mine usually, but that's okay. Uh, it was so funny too, because we were picking the song beforehand and we sent each other a song at the exact same moment. Mm-hmm. And the two songs we sent each other were a perfect representation of a Jared pick versus a, uh, Chad oh, without, pick. A doubt. without a doubt. <laughs> And That's so true. when the Jared pick comes, you'll, you'll notice, you'll notice. I feel like you tend to be a bit more free and experimental with your music. I'm the kind of guy, once I know I like something, I stick to it. 
Yeah. No, I, I like finding um, new stuff. Dude, I, I told you I downloaded that Highest Coyote album. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to that shit on repeat for days. That's I love awesome. That's that awesome. album. I'm going to get more of it. It is so good. Nice. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I like finding new weird stuff. And, and um, like the, the most fun part of music to me is finding stuff that never even crossed my mind and like noticing within the song, like, oh, I, I, I like this. I, I right. would have never even guessed that I like this. I think it's like, interesting. For, for example, Ife is a great example of that. That uh-huh. was also a great example. Oh, definitely. Where it's like, I never even knew something like this existed. And uh, I love it. I also sometimes, I have to be in the mood for it, but sometimes I really like when you have to listen to something a couple of times. Yes. And then you like it. Kind of like that's why I thought about the um, Hyotis Kato. Because that's why I thought about the Hyotis Kato, Coyote album. I um I bought it and I was like, eh, I don't think I really need to buy it. Like, it's fine, but I, it's not that great. And then a couple days right. later, I haven't stopped listening to it. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But anyways, check out our song in the pod on our Twitter page. Um, let us know yes. what you think about it at untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com or uh, you can hop into our DMs on Twitter or on Instagram. Uh, on Instagram. Or send us Song of the Pod recommendations. We'll, oh, we'll absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we'd love to feature uh, some music that you all listen to. You can also check us out on Facebook as well and uh, you know message us or uh, contact us uh, with any Songs of the Pod or anything else you'd like to talk with us. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, Speaking of talking, um, I want to do a little talking in Czech for you, Jared. Not very much. Just two words. Okay. But these are my Czech, word, Czech words of the pod. Um, and the word is Bude Vecher. Do you know what Vecher means? No. Should I? Is Vecher? it a cognate? No. No. Oh, okay. Vecher means evening. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So if you say... Hezky Vecher? Uh, that would be like, have a nice evening. We usually say Dobri Vecher. Okay. Like that's good, good evening. evening. Yes. Okay. But Bude Vecher is, it means like night is coming. Hmm. Mm-hmm. When would you use that? Well, it's... Uh, Literally night is coming? Like it's six o'clock and like, it's getting dark? Night exactly, is coming? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's there's two reasons why I picked this one. Um, one, because uh, night is coming here in the Czech Republic as I record this. And two, this is uh, um, one of the Czech folk songs we've been singing in my choir. And it uh, oh, has, okay. has really nice melody. Um, are there and, is yeah. it are there any instruments accompanying like a piano or something? Nope. Nope. I mean, we we use a piano in choir rehearsal to make sure we're um, hitting uh, the right notes. Right. But but right. usually no, no accompaniment. Hmm. That's mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yes, is there is there is. like would do people use that as like uh, some sort of like. Literally, it just means night's coming. So you wouldn't use it as maybe some sort of greeting or like a, hey, dobri vecher. Well, you use dobri vecher. Dobri vecher. Oh, that's not what you just said, is it? <laughs> Bude vecher is Bude night vecher. is coming. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. I-, I just don't understand where that would really come in to conversation. Because if someone were to say that to me, it's like, yeah, no, I, I-, I have a window. I-, I can see that. Right. Yeah, I, I also don't know. But... uh like the song and uh, like the way that those two words sound. So that's where, yeah, I, do too. where I was going and, with that. And those are two words that'll come in handy separately too. So Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Well, um, hey, Chad. Yes. Chad. Heshke Kluk. Thank you, good sir. I appreciate good it. Good boy. <laughs> appreciate it. Um, I want to leave all of our listeners with, uh, with a quote to send us off. And this quote is by a... Uh, uh, thank you. you. Didn't say yet. I just got excited. By a uh, <laughs> very important gentleman named Aristotle. Um, 
um, or as the Germans say, um, uh, Aristotle. Um, and uh, the, his quote is, those who know, do. Those who understand, teach. See, that's not the one I've heard. Really? Those who can, do. Those who can't, teach. That's the one I've heard. From that's Aristotle? Not, no, 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 no. I was going to say, I was like, whoa. <laughs> More just from people insulting teachers. <laughs> right. Yeah. Have you heard, you've heard that one before, haven't oh, you? Oh, of course I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's actually a line in the School of Rock. And then he says, those who can't teach, teach gym class. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, shout out, late, very late shout out, but shout out to Jack Black for getting his Hollywood star. Did you see his pictures? Oh, yeah, dude. They're, they're hilarious. Great. He seems like such an awesome guy. Yeah, he, he really doesn't does. take it too seriously. He was like uh-huh. laying all over his uh, uh, star. Take with People were did like, you, he's like, hey, get a picture of me doing speech? this pose. No, I didn't. I his was just laughing was at his hilarious. He was like, he said something like, well, I, I made it. He's like, I'm retiring. I'm done. I made it. Like, it was just really, really funny. Is he retiring? He's not retiring. No, of course not. He was joking. Like yeah, said, I feel like doesn't... someone that prolific can't just quit like that. Right. Probably not. But yeah. Has, so... what's, what has he done recently? TV I'm not, shows I'm maybe? not sure. Because I, mean, I haven't I, seen him around I mean, I know while. he's still been like doing music or was touring with Tenacious D. Oh, right. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I'm sure he's working. Mm-hmm. I just haven't seen him mm-hmm. around uh, in a while. Right. Who knows? Maybe he's doing more stuff behind the scenes. You never know. Yeah, maybe. Producing shit. Who knows? Right. Exactly. So with that, our amazing listeners, um, just remember... Those who know, do, and those who understand, teach. We thank those you. Those who can't, teach Jim. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the wise words of Jack Black or Mr. <laughs> Schneebly from School of Rock. We thank you for uh, listening and from uh, for your support. Please check us out on Facebook at Untranslatable Podcast. Uh, we'd love to have you um, follow us or message us on Twitter at Untranslatable1. Also, you're welcome to uh, reach us on Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast. And if you have any Song of the Pod recommendations or any untranslatables, please send them to us at untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. We thank you and we will see you next time.